This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You said my world on even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. It's time now to go beyond the headlines and for the next two hours, go where every sports fan wants to go. Behind the scenes and into the practice facilities, locker rooms, coaches' offices, and press boxes to get the info before anyone else. This is the ESPN 1320 Insiders. Nobody's killing my vibe today. I don't even care that it's Monday. Friends, that's like, oh, Monday, it's the start of it. Oh, it's a long work week. Nah, man, leave it. Vibes are way too high here on the Insiders today. I'm Kyle Madsen. He's James Ham, And we have victories to talk about. We got wins across the board. We got a Kings win over the Oklahoma City Thunder on Friday. Saturday, we got to chill, unless maybe you're a Michigan fan and you got a win over Penn State. Shout out to our guy in the YouTube chat, uh, Michigan Wolverines, uh, big ups, and sorry to any Penn State fan who caught an L this weekend who might be listening. But for our purposes, Kings going to win on Friday. Nothing happens Saturday, chill Saturday. Sunday, you get the morning slate with the 49ers getting a huge win over the Jacksonville Jaguars. And then Sunday night, you get the Las Vegas Raiders getting back to 500. They are 5-5 five and five with a win over the New York Football Jets. That's two in a row for them. Right that it. Antonio Pierce vibe. Yeah, you love no, it's just it's but nice I not lo- having to be yeah. like it's nice not having to go, hey, great win for this team and that team. This team stunk. <laughs> and then trying to figure out how to navigate all that. It's a lot of wins this weekend, James. It was a lot of good wins this weekend. I think this is one of those weekends where you, you walk into Monday morning with a little pep in your step. You're like, hey, I like this. Way like, easier to do a I show like this way. way. It is easier to do a show this way. I'm just a generally positive person. Like, I read this book called the... Mm, forget what it's called. That I'll helps. find out, though. The ha- the happiness something. I'll figure <laughs> it out. <I've, laughs> what do you want? <laughs> no, but it, it, was, it basically talks about the power of positive psychology and, and, and viewing the world through a positive lens instead of a negative one. And it talks about, you know, at the end of each day, writing down three good things that happen in the day. And it forces you to scan your mental map for for positive things that happen in a day that may not stick out as much. Okay. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, it's it's fascinating, especially for a person like me where when I, is, people could tell me 10 good things about me, but the one negative thing somebody says is what sticks with me. So anyways, enough about my psyche. I don't um, I don't have that issue. I, like whatever reason, I, like I don't really I'm care. I'm really jealous. I, I I'm don't, really jealous. I don't care. That's at, that's at very all. very nice. I also I I don't journal. I probably should journal. I don't do you do you write down three things every day? No, 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 no. It's just I, I, just I, well, like I started out cool... writing them down <laughs> and then it's it more just it trains your brain to think a certain way. Okay. And so for me, coming in and doing a show where I'm going, okay, hey, let's find all the good things that happened for the Raiders. Let's find all the good things that happened for the 49ers. Let's talk about all the good things that happened for the Kings. That's much easier for my brain to to process and be creative with than, well, Niners lost by 14, pass rush stunk, Purdy turned it over. I could just It's so much easier for my brain to operate in this space. So shout out to uh, the 49ers, Raiders, and Kings for getting dubs. Okay. I, I would say this. I think I'm I'm pretty serious. Like off the air, <laughs> I'd say so. I, I'm pretty intense, but I'm also a pretty much like a half glass uh, full, not a half glass empty person. Mm-hmm. But uh, the Kings tried to like, like beat that out of me by losing 50 games a year, like for the 16 first, years, the first 12 <laughs> years that I covered the team. Just saying, like, the, like every single day, 
just kind of like hit you in the face with like, hey, look, there's another loss. Mm -hmm. Going into games and thinking there's no way they're going to win this game, that's usually like that. That is not fun. Yeah. And then if they do win, you're surprised. You're like, hey, that's fun. But yeah. Who had, who had, okay, so we have the Raiders beating the Jets 16 to 12, the 49ers all over the Jags 34 to 3. They snapped a five game winning streak for the Jags. The Raiders got in the way of this playoff run that the Jets were were trying to get on behind their very stout defense. And you have the Kings going into a game against the Thunder where I said it on this show. I said it on D-Lo and Casey. I was worried about the Kings on Friday night. It's a good OKC team. No De'Aaron Fox. Kings have just struggled with the Blazers. And sure enough, they go out and not just beat OKC, but just really handle them. 105-98 final, but it never felt like that game was in the balance. Yeah, so if I'm going to look at the three games from this weekend. Which one was the best win? That's what I was getting to. Yeah, yeah, that's where I thought you were heading. I'm going to say it is the Kings, and that's Mm. not because I cover the Kings. It's because the Kings haven't looked like the Kings all season. Mm -hmm. So, like, the 49ers were the best team in football for five weeks, and then Mm -hmm. they went on, like, an intellectual hiatus. They just went on a bender. Yeah, they just went on, like, this weird walkabout. Right where they meandered through three games and and got uh, got kicked, um, but the Kings really haven't looked like the Kings outside of maybe game one, like all season. And I, I think that this was a game where they got right, and mm-hmm. you you could see the team that was there last year. The intensity was better, the speed, the quickness of players like. Kevin Herter and and Keegan Murray were better. Uh, mm. Demonis Sabonis was more forceful. Like all of these things that you've been waiting for, you've been hoping to see. And, you know, they got a win on Wednesday against Portland. But that was, I mean, Portland is not a good team and it took you overtime. Mm-hmm. So I, I think right. a lot of people are like, okay, this is a team on the rise. OKC was a good team coming in. I think they're five and three coming into the game. They're a good team. They've got all kinds of weapons. They've got all kinds of talent. Kings came out and and really like dominated the game. It was a wire wire win. They never it, trailed the entire game. And it never it ne- what the what did the Thunder get it to to start the fourth like five? Yeah, five or six. It's like five, but it never felt like man, this really got out of hand for the Kings because they were up fourteen after the first quarter, and you're thinking, okay, they're going to roll. But even Runs are going to happen. It's really hard to go up by 15 in the first quarter and then win a game by 30. Like that's just that doesn't happen a ton, mm-hmm. especially against a talented team. So to see the Kings and I and, and I think I agree with you because the Niners bouncing back. They they get that 34 to three win over the Jags, and they just looked like themselves. The Chase Young addition paid off right away. They made a little tweak in their in their secondary that paid off, and he loved to see it. But it just kind of got them back to where we expect them to be. It's like okay, that they're they're back on track. They're with the Raiders, it's okay, back to 500. You snuck past a Jets team that's that's not great. You love to see the two wins in a row. The vibes are high. They're riding they're they're riding this Antonio Pierce wave. That's awesome. Josh Jacobs looks like Josh Ga- Jacobs. Yeah, yeah, and they're targeting Devontae Adams. They're doing the whole yes. thing. Yes. And they did that last night without Colton Miller against a against a good defense, which was which was fascinating. But I look at what the Kings did and that was because I was pretty skeptical after the Blazers win. I looked at that one, like, okay, get the W is good. You'd rather have a W than an L, but overtime against that version of the Blazers, like, I don't, I'm not saying the Kings took this massive step. The massive step was Friday. That was the, not only got the arrow pointed the right direction, but then took steps forward on that path toward where they want to go with this season. And now, now for me, Raiders was, okay, good, solid win. Niners is like, okay, you're, you're back on track. With the Kings, it's like, okay, season started. Yep. That's how Friday felt felt for me. Well, that and when you get to 500, so they four and four, mm-hmm. it's now you're, you're basically zero and zero. You you know, it's a clean this slate. This early in the year. Yeah. yeah, it's a clean slate, right? Mm-hmm. So that's a good thing for the Kings. And like, you look, go back through and look at all their games and think, okay, could they have been a game ahead of this? Could they have been two games ahead of this? Maybe. They also could have been a couple of games below this. So this was a good week, and and then you get a, a game against the Cleveland Cavaliers this evening mm-hmm. that is another prove-it game. This is another – it's a lot like OKC. It's mm-hmm. an up-and-coming team. Uh, it's a team with, like, great length and huge, great physicality. Yeah. Um, it's not a good matchup team typically, but 
for some reason, it's a team that the Kings usually play well. Mm -hmm. So how do you look again? And how do you look on Wednesday opening up a six-game road trip against a, a Los Angeles Lakers team that, again, isn't isn't playing well? So yeah, it's it's a it's a big week for the Kings, and uh, I think it kicking it off with an in-season tournament win, which now yeah. that becomes at least a little bit more interesting because now not only are you I knew in you'd the come season, around. well, not only are you <laughs> in it, but you also have uh, a win by seven, mm -hmm. which is why if people were wondering why everyone was asking Kevin Herter to shoot the ball late in the game, number one, uh, Kevin Herter's career high I think is thirty, and. If he would have hit a three, it would have gone to 31. Mm. Uh, but secondly, the end season tournament point differential is a huge category. Mm -hmm. And so the Kings won by seven. And I guess that puts them ahead of the Warriors in the end season tournament and tied with Minnesota in the end season tournament with a plus seven differential. Nice. Yeah. That's big time. Get, some, get that NBA cup, baby. That's right. Go get that weird NBA cup that <laughs> we don't really know anything about, but they painted the courts. I'm here for it. I actually like the Kings court of all the, of all the courts I've seen. And I've only seen the one in person, but I'm so thankful they didn't go like blue court with gray stripe or something weird like that. Okay. The full, the all color courts don't look good to me. They're not aesthetically pleasing, but the gray was fine. I, I like know, the gray. I, I, I like the gray. And I also, the Kings use their court to help light up the building. So mm. it, it almost feels a little sterile inside Golden One Center. Like there mm -hmm. isn't a bunch of stuff on the walls. There isn't, it's not like really, it's white walls. It's not fancy. It's uh, almost like a little industrial. Mm -hmm. And then their lighting is so bright and it hits the court and that the court is usually so light that it really amps up the, like the volume of light in the room. Yeah. Switching to the gray court, I thought was interesting because it kind of dimmed down the place and yeah. I liked it. I liked it a lot. It was a good, I had a really good time. So I had never been to a, Kings game in the last couple of years where they won. Oh, oh that's right. Game, you had a streak. Right. The, well, not not really a streak because I'd been to games that they won when I lived out here in like 2018 and 2019. Okay. But it, last year I went to one game. They lost to the Lakers. This year I, I went to the home opener, which they lost against the Warriors. So this was the first time. Friday was the first time that I got to be in the building while the Kings were looking like the Kings and rolling and Kevin Herter's hitting shots and Keegan Murray's hitting shots and catching bodies. And the place was it was a it was a great great atmosphere. I went and stood up at the Sierra Nevada Draft House for a while. Shout out to my guy Rob A who who uh, came over and said what's up. It was a blast up there. It was just a party atmosphere, and it helped that the Kings were were playing so well. But it's my first time experiencing that. It's my first beam, so that was cool. Nice, yeah, I, I like it. Yeah. Um, I've seen too many wins and losses, and too many losses to be honest. Um, so it, it, no, it, Any, it's anytime you can cover a win, it's a plus. It's weird to show up to a game and not have it be like a a big deal, like because I, like everyone there who's going to a game, it's a pretty big deal. Yeah, and like they planned yeah. to be there. Mm -hmm. You know, there might be a few people who bought tickets that day, but for the most part, you plan to be there. You spend a bunch of money on tickets, but you lose that when you when you're there every game and you cover a team. Yeah, it was a fun atmosphere the other night. It was. Trust it was. me. Much, Trust me, as somebody who is standing up in the draft house, I can tell you, it's a ton much of fun. better than being there while their cardboard cutouts covering all the chairs. <laughs> all right, let's let's dive into Sunday's action. 49ers get a big win. Raiders get a big win. We'll talk about them both next. He's James Hamm. I'm Kyle Madsen. We're the Insider, sponsored by Jiffy Lube here on ESPN 1320. Now, back to the Insiders with James Hamm and Kyle Madsen, brought to you by Jiffy Lube on ESPN 1320. Right, we'll dig into this Kings win over Oklahoma City a little bit. The Kings back in action tonight against the Cleveland, Cla uh, Cleveland Cavaliers mm -hmm. at the Golden One Center. And James, you said it earlier, the Cavs, I think, could oppose uh, a similar matchup to, to Oklahoma City just in terms of their, their length. Uh, I do think that Cleveland's ability to put the ball in the basket is greater than Oklahoma City's. I thought Just with so, Darius Garland and, and Donovan Mitchell. I thought so too, but then I started looking at the numbers, and I'm surprised that Cleveland, they just aren't that impressive on paper. So first of all, they're 4-5 and five on the season, mm -hmm. which I, I was slightly surprised by. But also, they're, they're only scoring 109.7 a game, which is 24th in the league, and they're giving up 111, which is 13th in the league. Mm -hmm. So they are kind of a grinded out. Their pace is 12th. 
at at a hundred. Um, like they have scores, but they're not an offensive team, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so kind of interesting. They do have a lot of scores, though. I mean, Donovan Mitchell's at twenty nine five. You got eighteen uh, eight for Karis Levert off the bench. Um, yeah, Karis Levert can play too, man. Well, Darius Garland, Karis Levert like has has tunnel vision. Like he's not that difficult to defend. Mm. He's like at this point. I know this sounds strange. He's kind of the poor man's Cam Thomas. <laughs> so uh, because Cam Thomas, of, of course, is an NBA legend at this point. Um, but yeah, like I like Harris Levert, but he he just doesn't do enough. His head's down the whole time. He you know staring at the floor. Uh, yeah. Let's let's uh, put a pin in the NBA stuff and let's talk about this weekend in the NFL. So the 49ers get a 34-3 win over Jacksonville. It snaps a five-game win streak for the Jags. The 34 points were the 49ers most since week five. Uh, the three points they allowed were their fewest since week 12 of last season when they shut the Saints out 13-0. Oddly enough, that was also the last time before yesterday that Christian McCaffrey didn't score a touchdown in a game. Bizarre. Super weird. But that looked like the... So there were two things that jumped out to me yesterday. One was the defensive line looked like the defensive line again. I think Chase Young was extremely helpful. Yes. But it looked like... I haven't gotten a chance to look at the All-22 where you can see all the players, and that's it's a little tougher to see this on the TV copy, but it looked like they were playing more like press man, so playing up closer to the receivers mm-hmm. and not letting them get free releases where those quick throws are easier to complete. And... They made a change personnel-wise. They took Isaiah Oliver off the field, put Diamador Lenore in the slot, and started Ambry Thomas at the opposite corner from Traverius Ward. And Lenore was good, and Ambry Thomas was excellent. You should have had a touchdown if it wasn't for a bunch of yahoos running on the field. Including Kyle Shanahan. Oh, my goodness. But, yeah, Ambry Thomas really... When I saw he was was starting... It was I, I'm going. I've got Calvin Ridley on my fantasy team. Calvin Ridley's going to light it up today. Oh, they're just going to spam barbecue chicken. They're just going to spam Calvin Ridley with when he's when he's guarded by Ambry Thomas. Yeah, because like, that's what that's what happened. That's why Ambry Thomas got pulled in week two because he was just getting cooked by Puka Nakua and Tutu Atwa. Yeah, but I think the difference is first of all, they no one really knew who those two receivers were mm-hmm. right coming into that game. Sure, you had no idea that they were going to be a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I also think you brought up that they were, the corners were physical. They were up on mm-hmm. the wide receivers and we talked about this on, on Friday. The problem that you have with Trevor Lawrence is he gets a ball out of his hands really quickly Yes, by jamming the receivers and taking them off their lines. You were able to buy that split second for your defensive line mm-hmm. to get through the, through the front line of, of the Jags mm-hmm. and put pressure on Trevor Lawrence and then all bets are off. And that's right. like, I thought it was like a really, really quick way to just disrupt everything mm-hmm. and everything worked because of it. Yeah. And it's going to be interesting next week against a, against a receiving core that features Mike Evans, who you can't just go up and bump. He's just going to throw you aside and, and get open. But now I think Tampa Bay and teams moving forward can are going to maybe game plan more for this. So it'll be interesting to see now how, how Steve Wilkes will adjust. But Fred Warner said after the game that it was nice having Steve Wilkes on the sideline because the communication was better. And I think that probably played a role too mm-hmm. in, in their adjustment down the stretch and only letting the Jags uh, get the three points. So uh, overall, that's what the Niners defense is supposed to look like. I'm not going to sit here and, and you know praise them for doing what they should be doing that was just an encouraging sign that they weren't giving up 30 points again. Yeah. I mean, it's not just that they weren't giving up. It's that they put pressure on the quarterback. Mm -hmm. They, they did the things that you needed, you know, even like you had the Fred Warner interception. Well, that's, that's again, it's a pressure situation. Yep. There's a reason why that happened. And you know, the both, both of his interceptions were, were because of pressure. Yeah. Yeah. Well that, and they also forced the fumble, like Bosa got the, mm-hmm. the half sack forced fumble, fumble yep. recovery, which played well in my IDP, uh, <laughs> it, you know, sure. fantasy, fantasy league. But, um, yeah, I, I thought that this was a game where the 49ers for the first time they looked balanced, you know, Eric Armstrong instead got to the quarterback early, uh, 
Farrell got to the quarterback. Uh, Javon Hargrave put pressure on the quarterback. Again, Chase Young was there. And so these are all things where, like, you want to see how it looks three, four weeks in and against really top-tier talent. And I Mm -hmm. think the Jags were rolling. Um, I'm just not convinced that they're quite there yet. They're a team, you know, maybe like an OKC, like to or a Cleveland, like yeah. to, to compare them to um, to to NBA teams. They're they're on the cusp, they're on the rise, but they're not quite there yet. And they just faced like top tier talent and and got stomped. Yeah, they're a group of it's a talented group of players. It's still like maybe one or two away. Yeah, and their offensive line was not was not good. But yeah, five sacks, one and a half for Bosa, one and a half for Javon Hargrave. Cleveland Furl had a had a full sack. Mm-hmm. I believe he had half a sack twice. And then and then half for Armstead and half for Chase Young. And like I said, good. That's what defensive line that's what that defensive line should be doing. Yeah. And that's that's the beginning and end of it. On the other side of the ball, it turns out, James, that it's easier to play offense with Debo Samuel and Trent Williams in the lineup. Who'd have thunk? I that that's a really really astute observation. Thank you. Yeah, I was um, I was really proud of it. I yes. thought of it yesterday. I, I will tell you this though. Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Uh, Brock Purdy hit seven different receivers. Yeah, he spread I, the ball around. I didn't look. I think that's a season high. I'm almost sure that's a season high. I, I guarantee it's a season high. It's something <laughs> that I watch. I mean, there's been weeks where he throws right. to three and four players. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the fact that he got Kyle Juszczyk in the game, mm-hmm. um, that he threw him a touchdown. You know, Ronnie Bell gets a catch. Juan Jennings gets a catch. Uh, Debo has his, you know, four catches, but McCaffrey has six, and Ayuk has three, and Kittles has three. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, like really, I, I think Bravo, uh, he targeted – Every one of those wide receivers for at least two, except for Ronnie Bell, who only got one target. And uh, that's a good thing. He's checking mm-hmm. down. Like it tells you, he checked down to McCaffrey for 10 targets. Yeah. Um, so yeah. that was that was one of my, one of my I guess, like nitpicks with Purdy yesterday mm-hmm. was it felt like there were a couple of times, and maybe this is good. Like I said, I haven't gotten to see anything except for the, the TV copy, but there were a couple of times in the pocket where he created pressure by not just throwing the football. Okay, and I I don't know if that's because if he because he was hesitating to throw over the middle because he was scared to throw a pick, or if he's recognizing how defenses are playing them, and and not cutting that ball loose into a linebacker's chest. So that'll be interesting to go see because you mentioned the ten targets for McCaffrey. So many of those were like okay, throws not there over the middle, and you would see a Purdy pump fake, and then just get rid of it to McCaffrey out in the flat. Or as a as a checkdown option, so I, I I do want to go see that, but overall, I mean, nineteen of twenty six for two ninety six and three touchdowns, got away with maybe the dumbest throw of the day in the yeah. NFL, but um, well, when I don't it, know when that it results in a touchdown. Jameis Winston throw is pretty dumb, and it being <laughs> oh, touchdown. Okay, I mean it of was the, of the, throws by starting quarterbacks. No, that's yeah. true. <laughs> that's true. Because you're right, Jameis Jameis is a wild one, but. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought Purdy was good, man. Two ninety six, three touchdowns, and I, I thought that the he just had control of everything. And his pocket presence is spectacular. Like mm-hmm. his ability to to get out of like little jams mm-hmm. and move, like really, really impressive. Mm-hmm. I, I'm really surprised he doesn't run the ball more, and and you know take off. It's um, probably it's probably good that he doesn't. I don't know how I don't know how many hits his body can take. Okay. <laughs> But I, it, the fact that he keeps his eyes up and finds receivers downfield and doesn't make dumb throws when he's scrambling, except for the touchdown to Ayuk, like that's that's probably a plus. At least I think. Yeah, I think so too. But he's definitely, to your point, athletic enough to make more plays on the ground. Yeah, he is athletic enough, and, and but you want to keep him upright all season, all season long. I mean, you don't want to have to do the whole Sam Darnold thing. Yeah, boy, you sure don't. No. Sam Darnold checked into the game yesterday, halfway through a drive. That was—I don't think I've ever seen that. Oh, that's weird. They got the completion to Ronnie Bell, and then Purdy was done. Maybe he was over, like sitting there sipping on a martini or something. They're like, "Hey, bro, you're in the game." It's like, like what? Oh, someone give me my helmet or something. Like, uh. <laughs> Where's my helmet? Yeah, it's strange. <laughs> uh, I have one more, one more nitpick with this Niners game—a thing that I did not love about Sunday's game. We'll talk about the Raiders on the other side, and then, of course, we got to get to good, bad, and ugly from the Kings 
win over the Thunder on Friday. We're the Insiders. He's James. I'm Kyle. We're sponsored by Jiffy Lube on ESPN 1320. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You said my world on even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Now, back to the Insiders with James Ham and Kyle Madsen. Brought to you by Jiffy Lube on ESPN 1320. Oh yeah, we're back couple more things from Sunday before we we turn back the clock to Friday and talk about this Kings win. We'll get into the good, bad, and ugly from their victory over the Oklahoma City Thunder. One more Niners thing, then I want to get to a Raiders thing first. Okay. How did you feel about the 49ers trying to get Christian McCaffrey a touchdown in his 18th consecutive game? So they had pulled their starters. They got to a third down. They gave it to Christian. They brought Christian McCaffrey back in. Gave him like an end around thing, so he got a bunch of yards. And then they took four shots with him to the end zone and didn't score. This is with their backups in. Yeah, I was I think that's the problem that the backups were in. Like I didn't like that they they intentionally I mean, I get going for a record because I mean he's tied he tied the all time record with seventeen. Yeah, he was trying to break the record for most touchdowns scored in consecutive games. The thing about McCaffrey that I always get when they show like a, a look in like him inside his helmet, he just looks so incredibly intense that every time I'm like, man, did they clear this by him? Is he okay going out there and trying to get this? Or is that who he is? He's that guy that like, mm-hmm. I got to get that mm-hmm. record. Like he's so intense. I don't know. I just like they, they got him hit like an extra three times. And if he would have got hurt, uh, then I would have been lambasting and that's it. Like calling for Kyle Shanahan to never coach football ever again. <laughs> so here's here's the here's the 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 two possible outcomes. Well, the the three. One, they don't get it. He's fine. No big deal. Because those were touches number twenty, twenty one, and twenty two. He had twenty two touches for the day. So he only had nineteen when this whole charade started. Okay. There's a possibility that he scores and everybody goes, cool. And All right. 41 to three now. And he forced a touchdown to Christian McCaffrey. Or he gets hurt. And the risk reward to me doesn't doesn't play there. No, I'm with you. It, it and, and and this feels like like old man yelling at Cloud. But yeah, of course. But Shakes dude, their their whole thing. But their whole thing has been injuries the last few years. They haven't been able to stay healthy. And they mm-hmm. finally, for the most part, stayed healthy. They just got Debo Samuel and Trent Williams back. And I'm not even worried about the long-term, you know, racking up hits on his butt. That's that's not even, like I said, 22 touches in a game is probably about where you expect Christian McCaffrey to be. So that's fine. But A, you had an opportunity to not have him get those extra touches. But B... The, 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 if he gets rolled up on or gets hit in the head 
or concussion Quince's protocol foot wrong or something. Yeah, it, it just doesn't to to force this touchdown in a game where you're already up thirty four and there's three minutes left. It just it or thirty one and there's three minutes. I just uh, uh, somebody in the chat. I think it was was it was it Manny in the chat said I don't like forcing records. That's what that's what that felt like to me. Okay, cool. He would have gotten the touchdown, but like for what in what context? So I get why they did it earlier this year. Christian McCaffrey had a chance to go for five touchdowns and the 49ers had it at the one against the Cardinals and they snuck it with Brock Purdy instead. And Shanahan after the game said, I didn't even know he had four touchdowns. I'm not paying attention to that stuff. Yeah. He so, was clearly paying attention to this one, Kyle. Very much so. Yeah. He, he definitely knew exactly what was going on. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't think it cheapens anything. I just think that like you got away with it. That's, yeah, that's at it. the end of the day, you got away with it and you know, we move on. I don't, I don't hate it, and honestly, stuff like that is probably why players like Kyle Shanahan so much. Yeah. But at the same time, as somebody who has written about injury after injury after injury with this team over the last half decade, it's like, man, that is that is risky. Oh, I for, thought it was. For a consecutive games, including the playoffs, record. Yeah. I don't know. Anyways, uh, with the Raiders... You and I have talked about this purgatory and that purgatory of being not in position to go get a high draft pick, but also not in position to hunt for the playoffs. Yep. I think the Raiders are a prime example this year of of winning, ultimately having a greater impact than possibly getting a better draft pick. Because I think they have enough foundational pieces, the Raiders do, that you can set a culture right now. Okay. And maybe they only win six or seven games. But I think there's more value in these last two weeks and then another win or two that they get the rest of the way than they would get from having the ninth pick instead of the 14th pick. I'm with you. I just wish they would have realized that a couple of that, weeks earlier. That, yes. So like, yes. again, I would have been okay if that's what you're trying to do. If you're trying to be good vibes team, like, hey, we have to build a culture here. Mm-hmm. We can't just be about getting draft picks. It can't, you know, we can't just keep running out there and, and, and losing games badly and looking and embarrassing ourselves and having no path forward. So yeah, I just wish like two weeks earlier, number one, they probably would have had at least one win more, maybe two. Um, and they would have been in a much better situation, but I'm okay if they if they finish the season like seven, well eight and nine, and God, that'd be huge. They're in the middle of the pack. They get like a what would that be like a number eighteen draft pick, whatever, maybe maybe fifteen. Um, then I'm okay with that because mm-hmm. at least you're building on something. And if Antonio Pierce is that guy, like good, you found somebody. Mm-hmm. That's big. Um, but what you can't do is keep doing what you were doing with a guy who was a lame duck from that, from, from yes. like three weeks into the last season. Yeah. He was a lame duck. Yeah. And you're like, oh, this is not good. Like, what were they doing when they paid this guy? And so. it stinks, but that Mark Davis has acknowledged as such, or as much, as such, as much, that he's acknowledged that is like paramount. Like, that is a huge step in the right direction. Now they've won two in a row. They're doing the victory cigars. Like, man, even if they lose to Miami next week, it just doesn't... This is so much more valuable than whatever would have happened with Josh McDaniels. Or if they lost these last two weeks, can you imagine the direction the team would be heading if you lose to the Giants and Tommy DeVito, and mm. then you lose to the Jets and Zach Wilson, and now you have to go play Miami? You're you're heading toward a draft pick where you're 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 bringing that 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 player, that young player, that high draft pick into a losing culture. Oh yeah, totally. So I, I just, I, I, this is one of those rare times where I'm like, Hey man, winning is way better for this team long-term, even if it means sacrificing that draft position. Yeah. And I think, you know, this is Mark Davis's like knowing, uh, knowing is half the battle moment. Like he figured it out, out of nowhere that like, Hey, we can't keep doing this and we have to cut ties and we have to move forward and whatever that looks like, however bad it gets from here on out, it cannot be any worse than what than what our path forward is right now. Yeah. So good for him. Yeah. Notice it's funny that it came right after the Las Vegas Aces season ended. 
Like he finally tapped into the Raiders and he's like, okay, what's going on? Oh my God. Oh no. <laughs> like, oh God. Fire everybody. Oh, Kelly Clarkson. Oh jeez. <laughs> All right. Let's, uh, thank you. Let's switch gears and talk, uh, talk about the Kings here on the insider sponsored by Jiffy Lube, Jiffy Lube, fast break player of the game coming up in the next hour, by the way. Oh yeah. A lot of good games on Friday. You and I were sitting next to each other and you went, Hey, Working on the rundown right now, which I respect the hell out of, by the way. Working on Monday's rundown on a Friday night's a pro move. And you're going, who's going to be the player of the game? I structurally built it out on Friday. That's true. Yeah. No, it's e- it's easy work. And I go, well, it's got to be. And I start looking at the stat monitor there. It's like, oh, my God. Well, it's got to be him. Oh, no. Well, him. Mm-hmm. Ah, well maybe. Mm-hmm. But we've settled on one. We'll let you know who it is a little bit later on. You go to ESPN1320.com. You click on the Jiffy Lube contest page right there at the front. You're going to enter the keyword that James and I give you, and you will be entered to win a $100 Jiffy Lube gift certificate. We'll be doing this after every single game this season. So make sure to get tapped in and get your $100 Jiffy Lube gift certificate or enter to get your $100 Jiffy Lube gift certificate. That's coming up in a little bit. Let's get to some of the good from Friday night, James, because there was a lot of it. I think the thing that jumps out the most to me when you look at the Kings without De'Aaron Fox the conversation you and I had when he got hurt, and then every subsequent game after that <laughs> was who's going to step up? Who's it going to be? And on Friday night, it was Keegan Murray, Damana Sabonis, and Kevin Herter. All three of them. And did the, the shots went down, and there were rebounds and assists, and we can talk about all that. But those three players, the three players who I believe when De'Aaron Fox is out are their three best players, particularly on offense took 51 of their 91 shots. That's what has to happen in that scenario. And that they went out and they did that and then found other ways to be impactful. They also combined uh, Keegan Murray and Kevin Herter alone combined for 20 rebounds. Uh, Domas added 13. Uh, I I just, I, that was the exact, they scored a a combined 69 points. So just a really nice night uh, for those three guys. And three guys that needed to be this good while while De'Aaron was out. I thought it was really interesting to watch it unfold because early in the game, it was Domana Sabonis dominating, physically dominating mm-hmm. the the Thunder. Like, his dunk on Chet was spectacular. Mm-hmm. Like, holy cow. Like, finally! He just went right through him. Well, finally, but the game before, he also, like, I, I think it was even bigger numbers. It was 27. Yeah. Uh, like, he missed a triple-double, but 27, 11, and 9. But right? just going through a smaller center is what, what I was talking yeah, about. Yeah, a lightweight center, for mm-hmm. sure, right? And that's, again, I we're going to see that again, tonight against the Cavs. Mm-hmm. Like, these are the guys that Demonis Sabonis loves playing against. Like, give him a Jared Allen. Give him a, go ahead and throw Evan Mobley at him. There's no mm-hmm. way they can stop him. He'll bully them down low, right? So I think he set the tempo. But I will tell you that I thought Kevin Herter was spectacular, his really good. His engine, you could see him flying off of screens. You could see him cutting hard all over the place. He he was in it, mm-hmm. and that to me was like he was the guy that started to raise the level of intensity of the game. Mm-hmm. And then you let Keegan Murray shoot through it. Like keep keep shooting. We mm-hmm. got you. Go try other things. Get to the rim. Go dunk on on um. Why am I? On Chet, go ju- mm-hmm. go dunk on him. That's fine. Like whatever you got to do, and then all of a sudden, three start falling, mm-hmm. and you're like, "Uh oh, yeah." Now we're seeing King and Murray step up. So, I said this like a week ago. Is it is there a possibility this is a good thing that De'Aaron Fox has missed his time? That you're you're forcing Kevin Herter and Keegan Murray to get outside of their comfort zones and to become something bigger and better for this team. Mm-hmm. After that game on Friday, I think yes is the answer. Because all of a sudden, if Kevin Herter can go from a 15-point-per-game guy to a 17- or 18-point-per-game guy, and mm-hmm. he doesn't have to do it all the time, but if that's if he's starting to take one more step, and you got to remember, he's only 25. Mm-hmm. Like, this is a young player. Um, I, I think that the Kings have even more promising times ahead the thing that impressed me most about kevin herter in that first quarter so he scores 15 points but it was three of five from three and then three of three from just layups like finding whether it was getting back in transition 
for a layup or I think he had a steal and yep. a layup in there. It, mm-hmm. it was he was so active on more than just the perimeter. And that's what when he was struggling with his shot, that's kind of what we wanted to see was like, dude, get he can get going in that mid-range game and then and then that that little float game that he has and then cutting and getting open and then the three start to fall. He had it all go had Jesus. He had that all going for him on Friday and like turns in his best performance of the year by like a lot. I so. think I think we started seeing the two man game against um against the Blazers mm-hmm. with him and Sabonis. Mm-hmm. And he like missed one or two uh, layups like right in the beginning of the game. Mm-hmm. But you started to see, oh, look at that. They're they're using Herder mm-hmm. in a different way. And they're running Herder off of the screen and then he's cutting sharp to the basket. Right. Domas is throwing it over the top. Herder at 6'7". Mm-hmm. People always forget he's 6'7". Like easy bucket right in the middle of the key. Mm-hmm. That's when we started to see easy baskets. And the Kings have really struggled to get easy baskets. Yep. Uh, you know, I was sitting courtside in in pregame with Alvin Gentry, and he said one of the things that stands out is that we just aren't getting anything easy. And mm-hmm. it's like, okay, that's interesting. You know, they're shooting like six percent below their standard uh, their field goal percentage of last year on two point made baskets. You're just not getting anything simple. And all of a sudden, you if you cut hard. If you, you're active off the ball, that's when you start getting easy bu- uh, buckets. And even like with Herter, as soon as he starts doing that play where he's coming around and, and he's scoring at the rim, right? Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, somebody's got to cheat a little bit to try to slow Herter down, and that opens a corner up. So there's Harrison Barnes sitting in the corner. Um, I, I would also point out that for some reason, they're not running any of these two-man games with Harrison Barnes and Demata Sabonis. So it's almost like they're intentionally trying to get Kevin Herter mm-hmm. and Keegan Murray going, and then we'll get to Harrison later. And that's that seems like a, a weird way that I'm seeing it play out, but it's making Harrison like almost not part of anything. He's just a stand well, in the corner guy. Well, I mean, with all due respect to Harrison, that's probably the direction this is heading. If Kevin Herter is going to be the player the Kings wanted to be. And if Keegan Murray is going to be the player the Kings wanted to be, and then you bring in De'Aaron Fox, like, yeah, that's what Harrison Barnes is probably going to be that type of guy. But if he's going to stripe it at 43% on catch and shoot threes or whatever, great. That's maximizing his, his value. But I don't, I I don't blame the Kings for that. I I don't blame him either. I would just say this, Kyle, if we're going to sit here and have a radio show every day where we like analyze the Kings Mm -hmm. and we want to like put a bunch of blame on a guy like Harrison Barnes, we should also acknowledge that he's not a player who brings a ball up. He's not a player who's getting into the two man game with Mm Demonis Sabonis. So his, his opportunities are Mm -hmm. super limited. Not only is he shooting way fewer shots than he has in the past, Mm -hmm. But he doesn't even have the ball because his usage is so low at this point and his assist numbers are down. And so that's all I was saying. Like, again, I, I, I think that we're, we're honest about like the shortcomings of Harrison Barnes as a player. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the fact that, you know, again, if you go to last season, he averaged 9.6 shots per game. You go to the season before it's 10.8. He's mm-hmm. at 8.4 shots per game right now. And he's shooting 47.8 from the field. He's shooting 40.5% from the uh from uh, three, mm-hmm. um, he's getting to the line way less because he has a ball way less. Right. So I, I think it's part of it. I, I it's would, not even for me with with Harrison. It's not even putting the ball in the hoop. Yeah. It's go get an extra possession. Go get a rebound. That's like the that, thing. Those are the little. Th- those are. Yeah. And I would never. That's. I. I want to make it clear here. I'm never blaming Harrison Barnes for any struggles the Kings have. It's not putting blame on him for me. It's more like hey here's a player who can help out in X, Y, and Z ways Yep, more than he is. And so I think it's probably ideal that, that he's not shooting it as much because that means Keegan Murray and Kevin Herter and Domas and De'Aaron Fox are getting going and then Malik Monk. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's the, I need more than what's he at? Two and a half boards a game. 2.9. Oh, almost up. up to three. Look at him go. Yeah. I would like to see that number at, like five or six. Well, that's his career average is five. Yeah, and, get, and a couple of years ago, he was at six point six. 
Yeah, get up, get up, get back up to that. Like that's that's more my my thing with Harrison, but that's a separate separate no, thing. I'm with you. I'm with you. And and you can't also can't have nights where Jeremy Grant like just abuses you. Mm-hmm. Like Jeremy Grant is a quality scorer at the NBA level, yeah. but he's really he's never been able to score on like a very good team. He's always mm-hmm. scored put up numbers on bad teams. Yeah. Um so I'm not trying to take away from Jeremy Grant, but what you can't do is let him have 38. Yeah. And a good portion of those are on you. Like it was something like he shot six of eight against Harrison Barnes. Well, that's a, yeah, that just can't happen. Yeah. But again, that's a separate, separate conversation. Harrison Barnes was, was fine. The Kings won. Uh, I thought you had this written down and this was, I think the biggest shot of the game, Sasha Vizankov, his first three of the game, because it came early in the fourth, early in the fourth quarter. Yeah. And it was, I thought it was Shea, but it was Josh Giddy gets the and one and hits the free throw to cut it to five. Mm. And that's where that game, it's like, man, in the balance, OKC gets a stop here, things get dicey. But Sasha comes down, drills a three, gets it right back to eight. And that, that to me, it wasn't game over at that point, but that's where it felt like, okay, the Kings have separated themselves and they did. They never, the, the Thunder never really got it back within within shouting distance. Yeah, they tried to get close one other time and he hit another three. And then the shot, uh our friend Brendan Nunez, um, he has a he he was doing a screenshot of he was watching it back and you could see it looked like Sasha Vizenkov was shooting an arrow in the corner. His release was really was really interesting. And it wasn't intentional. He wasn't like doing the old, I don't know, hmm. who was it that shot an arrow every time? Um, oh, oh. That's going to bother me. Wes Matthews. That's it. Thank Wes you. Wes Matthews. Oh, boy. That yeah. was really going to bug me. <laughs> yeah, that was a pull. I'm not sure how. Uh, I, yeah. That's really um, well done by you. Yeah. So uh, that was huge. I thought Sasha came up. And, and the other thing I point out, like, look, Sasha got benched. Mm-hmm. Like they went a different direction. Yeah. They, they went to Kessler Edwards and then Kessler Edwards came in. That was tough. Quickly fouled somebody. Yeah. Quickly like, oh. Dude, I, I've never seen a player get subbed out with that much haste. Just like uh, first, like he's out of it. Get done. That's, that's what happened last like, year when they done for the night. They put uh, Namiya's Keda up against, I believe it was Joel Embiid. Mm-hmm. Three fouls and go sit on the bench. He was... He had just got the backup center job, and that lasted three minutes, and he was done. Oh, oh man. Yeah, it was like, oh, my gosh, that's harsh. Uh, so I thought he was big. And then the other good from that game, man, Keon Ellis. like Shout out to Keon, man. What a bundle of joy. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's what you like. Every time you're, you're watching him, you're like, he just plays with the spirit. He had that putback dunk. He's never fouled anyone in his life, you can tell. Like every time he is so surprised when someone blows a whistle at him. Um, but man, he just plays with energy and he plays with like spirit. And uh, I, I totally dig what Keon Ellis is doing. Yeah, they needed it. They needed some kind of spark like that. And I don't know if Keon Ellis has any role when De'Aaron Fox gets back. Probably not. But I mean, it's nice to know that when Fox is out, that you have a player that you can go to who's just going to bring it like that. Yeah, that I think kind of maybe later in the show, because we're running low on time here, um, maybe we get into that discussion, or maybe we do it later this week. What does Keon Ellis' development mean for Davion Mitchell? Oh, snap. And, and, yeah. I it's mean, a great like, midweek topic. Yeah, like how do we get to that uh, that point? So um, I think it's interesting, but what I do know is he's played really, really well, and he deserves another look. You want to rip through the bad and ugly here in three minutes? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, here we go. Uh, bad. Shit. I don't even, you, you have this down here as a bad, I'm not going to call it bad. Shea Gilgis Alexander is just really good. No, he is, but you had no answer at all. He, Does any team? He's out there running around like Jeremy Grant, putting up points on you. <laughs> yep. Is that the new standard? That's no, right. Jer- Jeremy Grant going for 38. It's like, dude, you got to have an answer. Shea going for 33. He's at, he, he, he scored 35 against Phoenix last night. Game before Sacramento, he had 43 against Cleveland. Game before that against Atlanta, he had 30. Like, Shea just, Shea just pours it in, man. No, he does, and he's ISO Joe. I mean, he does everything off off uh, yeah. slow motion bouncing, yeah. and yeah, I mean, I he's love, really I, talented. I love, his, I, I love his style of game, and there's a little bit of this to D'Angelo Russell as well, but okay. just that methodical 
not super quick, not super shifty, just going to get to his spot and get his shot. Mm-hmm. I, I love watching players like that. But yeah, yep. Shea's, a, Shea's, a, Shea's a tough guard for sure. Pace still wasn't great. Nope. In uh, in Friday night's game, what what did they finish at? I want to say it was 98.6 or something. Uh, yeah. It's like your temperature. Um, yeah, I, I don't like think that's fine. I don't think I have it written down, but by 100.5. Oh, it was 100.5. So yeah. they broke a hundred pace. Yeah. Look at them go. It's a miracle. I think that's the first time they've done that since De'Aaron Fox has been out. It is the first time they've done it since De'Aaron Fox has been back. <laughs> oh. And like the Kings pace wise, uh, are all the way down to 24th in the league at 99.41. It's not going to do it. Uh, that's not going to cut it. Yeah. Yeah. And then... Um, Duarte, Chris Duarte slipping out of the rotation. Yeah, um, it, it's happening quickly. Uh, he had the one game against Houston where he came in, he brought energy and hit a mm-hmm. bunch of shots in the first half. That's not who they want him to be in that situation. It was fine, but that's yeah. not who they want him to be overall. No, and uh, yeah, he's got to figure it out because um, he's slip sliding right out of that rotation. Yeah, if you can't defend without fouling, like that's and Keon L's going to take you all minutes. Yeah, hundred percent. And then under ugly, and these are uh, we can we can stop the conversation here because I think this is something that that we're going to be talking about a lot going forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, Harrison Barnes really struggled four points. He was one of eight from the floor, and then you got Davion Mitchell one of six, coming off the back of of maybe his best game of the year. So he was a non-factor. I, I Davion not good. I think Harrison Barnes and Davion Mitchell are going to be two guys that we talk a lot about. That's very possible, into, especially if Kevin Herter keeps playing like this and. Keon Ellis keeps playing like this. Maybe there are minutes at the three. What's the date? December 15th? Yeah. That's the date? That's the date. I think HB and Davion are going to be popular players to discuss uh, leading up to that December 15th date. All right. Big weekend ahead for the Kings. We'll discuss that. And then we'll look around the NFL at some of the other games that mattered uh, for the 49ers and their quest to uh, be the one seed, make the playoffs, whatever it is they're doing right now. Uh, we'll talk about that next here on The Insider, sponsored by Jiffy Lube on ESPN 1320. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on podcasts whatever you love hear it right here on TuneIn. go to tunein.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening okay picture this it's friday afternoon when a thought hits you i can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever or i can conquer it i can hop into my all-new hyundai santa fe and hit the road any road the steeper the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 